Welcome to another edition of the PW Mania Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Justin C., joined by both my co-hosts, Cam, and the chairman, Stephen Vincent, here on Super Bowl Sunday to talk about a smorgasbord of stuff just going on right now in the world of pro wrestling, leading up to Elimination Chamber coming up next week, just leading up to WrestleMania, uh, you know, just leading up to a bunch of stuff. There's a whole little lot of random small things to talk about here and there, uh, so we plan on doing that and then going through some old... Elimination, doing a little bit of like a questionnaire on Elimination Chamber matches, Elimination Chamber pay-per-views, just doing all of that to get you through a fun show we have planned today. So let's start with something kind of WWE-AEW related, but not where the main promotion is, and that's in New Japan, where Jay White lost a Loser Leaves Japan match to Hikaleu this past uh, week in New Japan, meaning he can no longer wrestle in Japan. And of course, that is just fueling the speculation of what could possibly be Jay White's future. Um, I know uh, Sean Ross Sapp said he believes like there's about a, like a 75% chance he goes to WWE if he had to put a number on it. Uh, you know, he's been in Japan for a while. He's made his name in Japan. Uh, we've talked about it on the show before. Like, you know, what could he be? And I've said before that I think he is like, I think with Triple H in charge, he is like a tailor-made Triple H heel. Uh, going into if you were to come to the WWE, especially if you think that Roman Reigns is losing at WrestleMania and taking some time off afterward, I could see Jay White coming in. I don't know. Now, I'm not going to say he's going to be as good as Roman Reigns, but I think Triple H would put him right in a top spot, even though you kind of might look at the idea that a lot of New Japan or WWE fans might not know who exactly Jay White is. And of course, you know, there is the possibility he could go to AEW. He's got history there. He's worked some shows for AEW before. So, a lot of nice speculation to talk about here leading into WrestleMania season. So I'll go to you, Cam, first. Just what are your thoughts on this, and where do you think Jay White could possibly end up? I mean, like I said a couple weeks ago when we first when we first kind of mentioned this, I remember saying years ago that Jay White kind of just fit the persona of what a WWE wrestler is, what a top heel looks like in WWE, especially now in a Triple H-led WWE um, I always thought it was just a matter of time. I mean, if he, him leaving New Japan, I mean, no disrespect to AEW, but if he goes to AEW, like, where does he fit in right away? Like, he's not taking the title off MJF. He'll probably just flounder in the mid card and hang out with the Bucks and stuff. Probably not the best thing. I think that guy knows his worth. And if he goes to WWE, he catapults himself automatically as a top two, top three heel in the, in the, in the industry. I mean, if there are WWE fans who aren't aware of New Japan Pro Wrestling and, don't know who Jay White is and only take a couple of shows to show who the switchblade is. Um, I think he would be a fantastic fit for the WWE. I think it would be a huge get for them. I think it would really kind of elevate their roster where it is right now, where it's starting to, you know, really find itself under the Triple H regime. You know what I mean? Where you have some guys who were sinking when Vince was leading it, like Gunther and other guys. And now that Triple H is out there, you know, you see some of these guys start to rise up. And I think Jay White coming in, even like, him versus, you know, even though Theory's a, 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 a heel, you could do him in Theory for the U.S. title, him and Seth Rollins. There's a million guys you could have Jay White wrestle. Um, I think that's a, a nice post-WrestleMania show up, you know. Uh, the night after WrestleMania, you could have Cody pr- cutting a promo, assuming Cody wins the titles, have Cody cut a promo, have Jay White come out, and you have an instant brand new holy shit feud for the WWE, which would get a lot of people talking, would get the casuals talking, and it might even get some hardcore AEW fans who only started watching wrestling five years ago to tune into Monday Night Raw. Um, 
So I think that is, I think, ultimately the best fit for Jay White. I think that maybe we can come and offer him, you know, a substantial amount of money, somewhere in the seven figures, you know, every year to come wrestle in, in the States. Um, and then when they do go do the overseas shows, he would be a big draw as well. Um, if they ever went back to Australia, even though I believe he's from not Australia, but the other country, New Zealand, New Zealand? I believe. Yeah. yeah, he's from New Zealand. So whenever they do some shows over there, he would be a huge draw. Um, I think it's a great idea. Uh, for Triple H to bring him in, I think that's a nice fresh signing that they haven't really. I mean, they've been signing people, but it's everyone they've brought back. I think they need that big outsider signing, and Jay White would be the ticket. Um, and it would be really fitting. And now that I'm like really tempted to, to go to this, is that they're doing the Impact show on the 30th in March, where it's Speedball Mike Bailey versus freaking uh, Jay White, which I think is match of the year candidate right there. So I'm really tempted to go to LA just to watch that match. Uh, but yeah, I mean, let's bring him into WWE. Let's shake things up a little bit. He doesn't need to go to AEW and die the way that Rusev and all these other guys have died. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, there's no way in hell he's going to this brand new NXT either. He's clearly a main roster right away kind of guy. And like you said, we have, it's been a while since we've had a brand new big debut that was from outside of the WWE the night after WrestleMania, to the best of my knowledge. I can't even remember the last time there was one. You know, it's always somebody from NXT being called up. Um, that's kind of been the big thing lately. There hasn't been any big signings. So, yeah, exactly. This is something that you're not going to rush him in. You said he obviously he's got a match with Impact. You're not going to rush him in if that's the case. You're going to, you know, post WrestleMania surprise. I think would be awesome and as I said something that's been lacking on these WrestleMania shows and exactly you get a big reaction from the crowd because that's the type of crowd that's there post wrestle the post raw after WrestleMania that know will know who Jay White is uh chairman what are your thoughts on this situation yeah I mean a year ago I would have said destination AEW but in the last year there's been a lot of changes in AEW and Adam Cole probably would have been a program that he could have done since they kind of had some, you know, intertwining with each other when Jay White made his brief appearances there. But Adam Cole, obviously, has pretty much been out for a lengthy period of time. We don't know when he'll be back. So that's kind of the avenue that's closed. Plus, like you guys were just saying, like, AEW is just chaotic right now. There's a lot of guys that aren't getting on TV. They're not getting big, you know, programs. Jay White's probably just looking at that and being like, nope. Whereas you guys said, and I agree, WWE be the perfect destination for him. Like, he could be a huge Raw After Mania superstar. You know, maybe he shows up at Mania, you know, in a mystery opponent like they did last year with Cody. You know, someone doesn't have an opponent, and then, oh, Jay White. But I don't think they'll do that again, you know. And, of course, there's so many, so many people he could face, like, you know, Cody could be someone right off the bat if you wanted to do that. You know, Seth Rollins would be definitely a huge program if they went that route. And then, of course, does he go solo? Does he start a faction? Does he join a faction? I feel like he fits a Judgment Day type wrestler. I feel like he would fit right in there with Finn Balor, Priest, and all them. I don't know. I think it's just because, you know, he's got that dark persona and he would fit right in. But, of course, he would not be the alpha you know, right away, but maybe in time he would overthrow Finn. I don't know. You could do that. There's lots of ways they could go with that. And there's lots of dream matches surrounding Jay White. So I'm excited to see what he does regardless, because he's been a fantastic wrestler, fantastic, you know, promo guy. I saw Will Ospreay tweet about, you know, basically missing him and 
he's obviously someone to keep an eye on whenever his contract ends up finished in New Japan, whether he makes a jump to WWE or AEW or not, because that would be another huge uh, wrestler to make the jump. But yeah, Jay White in Japan, this deal's never blown in New Japan, unfortunately. I feel like, you know, ever since they lost, you know, Kenny and the Bucks, Cody, Payman, like now they're losing a lot of their uh, Asian wrestlers. And I feel like it's kind of hurt New Japan because there's only so many stories they can tell with like guys like Okada and Naito, whose knees are pretty much destroyed at this point. I think Shingo is almost the alpha of lost LIJ now. And then, of course, you know, you got, you got a few other guys over there still, too. But I feel like the last few years, they've lost some momentum, unfortunately. And Kota Bushi's gone now, too. So I don't know how they're going to get it back, but they're in trouble losing Jay White. Yeah, they're doing a program with Noah now in Japan where they're doing a big uh, champion versus champion match there. But, yeah, I agree. I mean, I watched some of the G1 this year, but... It's, it's something where they just can't really get me invested. And like you said, they're doing Okada Tanahashi again for one of their uh, America shows for the title. It's like, okay, like again, like how many, like I'm sure it'll be a good match, but how many times are these guys going to wrestle? And like you said, you could fit right in. You can look at a judgment day group. You could look at, I mean, hell there's AJ Styles and Gallows and Anderson there. I don't think they ever crossed paths at the same time in the bullet club, but there's a story right there. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jay White's, I think going to adapt well. I mean, when he was a new Japan champion i really wasn't a fan of his first reign it's pretty much after he first lost the title to okada in madison square garden is when i started to kind of turn around on him and get more uh into jay white as a character and then he just pretty much shot up my rankings uh, from there on out so yeah it'll be interesting to see if he does end up in wwe you know what happens or where he could possibly go whether it's AEW. i don't think he'll sign full-time with impact but because impact won't be able to offer the money wwe would but It'll be a nice speculation piece for WrestleMania or post-WrestleMania. Um, speaking of uh, AEW, I want to bring up the acclaimed losing the tag team titles to uh, the Gun Club this past Wednesday on Dynamite. Uh, Cam, you first. Thoughts? Uh, very interesting. I mean, typically when we talk about when an uh, act that we think could be elevated to the next level uh, loses a title, you know, that means they're going to move up the card. Uh, in tag team wrestling, there's nowhere to move up the card. So to me, it's it's very weird. You could speculate for all kinds of different reasons. Um, I don't know. Did one of them test positive for PEDs or something? Like, what's going on? Uh, very shocking move. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Tony Khan just wanted to spice things up. I don't know. I don't see them breaking up the acclaimed anytime soon or – Going that route, I think that would be a terrible idea. I think they have, uh, even though I'm not the biggest fan of theirs, I think they do have the longevity to be a tag team for at least a couple of years. I mean, there's there's marquee matchups that we kind of need to see to really solidify them as like the best tag team in AEW. I would like to see them beat the Bucks clean. I'd love to see them if they ever come back to AEW. I'd love them to see them wrestle FTR, you know, again. Um, so there are some matches out there for them as a tag team. Um, there's some legs in that, in them being a tag team for a while. So I don't know if Tony Khan's going to break them up already. I think that would be a little silly, uh, but we don't know. But yeah, I think that was really shocking. I watch, typically watch AEW like the day after um, in the morning time on Thursdays. And when I saw that on the internet Wednesday night, I was like, holy crap, like, did one of these guys test positive for drugs or something? Yeah, it's just so weird given that, you know, every when they won the titles, everybody was hyping them up and like, okay, they're going to be pushed as a top act, top tag team. But it's kind of Tony Khan's motto when it comes to the tag team division is that the team wins the titles and then they have like a month or so where they're booked properly. And I think I even said, like, okay, they're booking the acclaim pretty well. And then it kind of 
fell apart, and now they lose the title so quickly to the Gun Club, a team that seems like, you know, they're not, I don't know, they're not as popular as an act as the Acclaim. They really just seem like they're transitional champions because I don't think they're going to be long-term champions. And like you said, does, does FTR coming back? Do they give FTR the, ta- the tag titles? You know, FTR go fight the Acclaimed again and then do a match there for the titles. It was just really weird. And I don't think, I think you would find most AEW fans agreeing that it's just a weird timing. And it's like, of all teams, I know there's history there, but like the Gun Club, like really, it's like, eh, like I don't understand that one. Uh, what do you think, Chairman? The whole show set up for this past Wednesday night was a bunch of random ass championship contender matches, or whatever the hell they call it there. I mean, I, I hate the whole thing. I guess I got rid of the ranking system, by the way, which I didn't know that until the other night when someone told me that. I was like, oh, makes sense because they don't use it right anyway. Great idea though, just not utilized. But the Gun Club of all teams. Like, the second that match was announced as the main event, like, deep in my brain, I was, like, thinking, like, they're going to win the freaking titles, aren't they? And then they did. I'm like, this is terrible. Like, are you just trying to get, like, cheap generation buzz on the Twitter sphere or what for this to happen and steal some headlines on some dirt sheet, you know, websites that said, oh, title change. Like, this is not the way you do it. Like, transitional champion or not, if you want FTR to be next in line to be the tag champs, you know, you could have did FTR and you claimed that no one would have batted eye. People would have probably rather see that anyway. Like the gun club is almost like a step up from crew, you know, QT Marshall and his disgusting goons or, you know, all the other scrub ass tag teams that, you know, floating around AEW. Like, I don't know, their tag division's falling off. Like for a company that's claimed that their tag team division was supposed to be a staple of their promotion it sure hasn't felt that way in the last you know year or so it's really fallen off and it's just disappointing because they had a lot of great tag teams there and you know they just screwed it all up and half the time these teams they're, they're there they're gone they're here they're gone or they're defending the title on taped rampage like it's just one of the many issues right now in AEW. i think you're taking the titles of a hot act like the acclaim that's over with fans it's just a mistake yeah, and they have, like, random six-man tag matches with Kenny and the Bucks on Rampage that have, like, no build, and it's just like, you know, okay, like, yeah, sure, they're going to fight, and it'll be cool, but, like, do I really believe, I can't even remember who they fought this past uh, Friday on uh, Rampage, but do I really... Oh, Air Fox and the guy that can barely grow a mustache, the Martins. Oh, uh, Top Flight, okay. Yeah, those guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's like, okay, like, yeah, sure, it's going to be a good match, but... Do I really think they're going to end up losing the six-man titles to them? No. Um, you know, and like I said, you know, uh, they have good. I've said this time and time again. The wrestling's good. You can't argue and say it's not. But it just seems like okay, good wrestling matches with nothing to it. And then you got MJF out there cutting promos about setting up his ex, you know, his girlfriend in high school for a car accident when she was giving him a blowjob, and they got into an accident. I know, it's like really like why do I need to hear that kind of promo for MJF? It just seems like MJF's title reign could have been so much bigger given he wins the title after being like leaving and walking out and comes back in and wins the AEW world title. And now he's just, okay, you had the chance to make this unique act with him where he could be a character where he's, you know, he's kind of the rebel baby face, like not like in a John Moxley way, but talk shit. And like the fans were dying to cheer for him. I was there on that first di- at that first dynamite after all out when he came back and they were wanted, and it was a loud reaction. And all of a sudden, just, you know, in the snap of a finger, he's back to being the same old, like, you know, what town are we in? Oh, your football team sucks. Your quarterback sucks. It just 
you know, okay, they had this opportunity to do that with him, and that didn't work. And then now here we are again with the acclaimed and winning their tag, them being tag champions, and now they're they're done with that. It's just uh, it's frustrating to look at the booking of AEW and Tony Khan. I guess Tony Khan's probably more worried about, you know, as we saw before he did this, an interview with Dan Lebertard going off against con- uh, contract tampering against WWE. And, you know, like Cam mentioned out, Cam, Cam mentioned me looking at cagematch.net for to see if his show was good or not. It's like, okay, yeah, you want to complain about contract tampering? I'm sure, you know, with Adam Cole or any of the guys in the Undisputed Era, there was nothing there about con- that you guys didn't tamper with them at all or have Dr. Britt Baker talk to her uh, boyfriend Adam Cole at all any time when they were at Jacksonville Jaguar games together about uh, his contract I'm sure but you know to seeing random stuff like that in interviews and talking about how they go or are going to war with WWE when it's like well you know WWE is still winning in the ratings and they're still doing like a shit ton more revenue uh, than you are doing right now um, just what do you think of Tony Khan chairman and how he's been leading AEW when you see stuff like that in an interview I I don't know anymore at this point, man. I there's a lot of stuff with that guy that just seem off right now. Like the last year, just a lot of questionable decisions, and the guy just goes off the rails, man. Like I I don't know. I don't think he's gonna be around for the long term. I think he needs some help behind the scenes. I mean, seriously, man, it's it's been a rough year. Yeah, and he's got he's, now he's you know after Jacksonville had their playoff run and now I think uh, I'm pretty sure yeah Fulham's at the top what in the top ten of the table in the Premier League he's probably going to start trying to ruin that soon. Uh, but what do you think about Tony Khan and how he's running things here, Cam? Um, I mean he's at the beginning we always thought he needed some some help. He had a pretty good run. I think that he's he's. Um, probably a very self-conscious person i feel like maybe always trying to please his dad who knows i don't know i just don't like the whole like speaking out stuff like he he they're very non-kayfabe the whole press conference stuff was a good idea at first but they just do it in like such a tasteless way in my opinion it's just for like all the the wrestling nerds who like think they're cool because they like wrestling it's not because they actually like this the, the sport of professional wrestling it's because they just want to they want to wear the old stone cold shirts and they want to fucking you know talk about the legion of doom and stuff like that and it always has always has rubbed me the wrong way um i always thought AEW was kind of like the prep school where you're like okay like it's the same thing but you just think you're better than us and it's like nah dude you're not and I mean, even with the MJF stuff, you talked, you touched on it. Like, um, I am a big fan of MJF. The guy cannot wrestle, and the fact that you know these matches aren't going to be great. Um, they they're drawing it out to see if he's going to wrestle Brian Danielson, and if he beats uh, Brian, you know, clean in the ring, then you know he'll continue to celebrate it. And I just I don't think it's been as good as it could have been. I mean, there needs to be something else. Like he cuts out, comes out every week, cuts promo. Which is whatever, but at the same time, we need some some more character development out of it. Um, I think the whole thing's been a mess. I think he's been writing he's been writing blank checks to wrestlers that he doesn't use. Um, he again, yeah, he does whatever analytics for the Jaguars. They want a playoff game. Um, I made a stupid tweet that I wanted him to win that game because maybe I thought he'd get high enough that night that he would put in a bid to WWE to buy the WWE. Um, I mean, like you said with Fulham, you know, he's got time over there. They just have their the, like big signing window over there in England, so a lot of talent was moving around. So he's probably focused on that. I think AEW kind of suffers. 
Um, I believe he does have number two. Is Tony Cerrone like quote unquote his number two, right? If I read the internet correctly, or am I mistaken? Or he had? I thought he had a two. Uh, maybe he needs a three, four, and a five. He needs a system. Uh, you can see what Triple H, what the WWE has done overall in general. They've kind of created this like you know quote system the last few years and. You know, the booking hasn't been perfect, but I feel like it does work. I feel like everyone kind of knows their roles, and I think Triple H has done a good job of getting the right people in place. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Tony Khan's just bitten off maybe a little bit more than he can chew. Um, but, you know, they can always write the ship. They have a whole bunch of talent over there. I just feel like sometimes it's it's like the WWE if Vince never had his dad to groom him. And yeah. I mean groom him in oh. a good way, not a weird way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We, I, yeah, hopefully everybody knew what you meant. But, you know, there's probably some weirdos out there that didn't. Um, yeah, so we'll see what goes on with AEW. You know, they're kind of going to be, like, in the back picture now in the wrestling world in the weeks ahead. I know they have a pay-per-view coming up, but, I mean, this is WrestleMania season. This is where everybody seems to be paying attention to WWE. And, you know, rightfully so. They have a lot of good stuff going on right now. Um, but before we get to the main roster part real quick, over on NXT we saw the – uh, breakup of Toxic Attraction after their uh, triple threat women's match at NXT Vengeance Day, which saw Roxanne Perez uh, retain the title. They did a ding-dong hello uh, segment with Bailey, and it just as you see, it seems like they're ready to give, keep together and maybe even go to the main roster and challenge for the, uh, the women's tag titles. Uh, JC Jane super kicks uh, Gigi Dolan and then throws her through, or tries to throw her through uh, the door on the set, which looks brutal because I think it was supposed to break and it didn't end up happening. And then she, JC Jane delivered a real stiff kick to uh, Gigi, which again, I think was supposed to have the door break and her go through to kind of help ease it. But it, that door did not move or really break at all. And there's a picture of Gigi posted on, I think, one of her social media things. And she's got a really bad bruise from uh, from that kick that JC delivered to her. So. It's funny how we talked about, you know, six months ago, you know, even, you know, three months ago, how we thought Toxic Attraction could be a big act on the main roster. JC and Gigi even had some tag team matches on SmackDown. And then now here we are, you know, months later that, you know, May or Mandy is released. Doesn't look like she's coming back anytime soon because she keeps her exclusive content and makes, you know, a lot of money off that. So, you know, good for her. Not going to falter there. Uh, and then they break up JC and Gigi as a tag team and something that's, of course, with Triple H or with Shawn Michaels book the NXT. If they, I saw somebody posting the videos side by side of the breakup with him and Marty Jannetty with the Rockers back in 1991, early 92 with the barbershop window set. So very closely, very close similarities there. Uh, but I think it's kind of interesting to see them break up like this when we all kind of thought they would end up making, uh, an impact and not like a giant impact, but making an impact in the women's division. Uh, what do you think of this breakup chairman? So in a couple more years, does JC Jane lose her smile? Yeah, she'll win. Uh, they'll have an NXT secondary title and she'll lose her. Yes. Yeah, she will lose her smile. Yeah, this is disappointing. I mean, it's just, I thought those two were fantastic together along with Mandy. And obviously Mandy's gone, but like, you know, you bring back the tag titles on the main roster and this was probably like the legit tag team you had and then you break them up and I'm like thinking to myself why like just why I don't get it and sure I should sit back and maybe let the story play out and see where it goes but you know for the main roster you look around there ain't a whole lot of tag teams up there right now you know and I felt these two would have been perfect just to walk right in you know, and just 
dominate because they were fantastic. And I, I, I just have no words. Like I just saw it happen. And then of course, like you said, they pretty much reenacted the whole rockers thing. And I'm just like, Oh man, this sucks. So I guess we'll have to see what happens, but this is one decision I'm definitely not on board with. Yeah, I don't think it help. It doesn't help either that neither of these women have really had a singles run before this. They were pretty much, if I remember correctly, thrown together as a tag team, and then you know Mandy Rose came to NXT and was looking to like recruit women into a stable, and then they uh, Mandy picked them or they got Mandy. I don't remember exactly how it went, and it, it might have helped if they had a small run by themselves, like singles wise earlier, but they didn't. So we don't know what to expect from them or what happens after this feud when they assume you assume they have a big match at. Uh, the NXT TakeOver show uh, during WrestleMania weekend. Uh, what are your thoughts, Cam? Yeah, I thought it was a little premature. I thought they were um, that they were kind of like the top women faction of NXT, you know, all of like damage control on the main roster. I think they could have maybe even came up as a group and did a similar thing that damage, excuse me, damage control damage control i can't talk did where they can go and they can attack baby faces on the roster as as a team uh you know but we'll see where we're going through i mean that means maybe that gg's is going to come out of this as a as a strong baby face and maybe she'll get a, a singles push coming out of it yeah, she was definitely getting more reactions than JC at the during the triple threat match so i think the, the nxt crowd at least wants to get behind her and She's got that unique look that, you know, fans can be drawn to, uh, you know, depending on what you are. But, you know, she's got a history on the indies of doing crazy shit there, too. So we'll see what happens with her. And just continuing the women's division thing, we had Lita come out on Raw this past Monday after the or during the cage match with Becky and Bailey to save Becky from a beatdown from damage control. And then the rumor is that this week on Raw, we may see Trish Stratus come back and get a match at the Elimination Chamber where we get Becky, Trish, and Lita taking on damage control, which kind of is surprising to me. I kind of would have figured that could be something that would have been saved for WrestleMania. I mean, Elimination Chamber, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, it's the Roman versus Sammy show. And I feel like a match with Trish and Lita coming back like that kind of gets overshadowed just from both Elimination Chamber matches and then both, uh, or and then the Roman Sammy match. So it's like, okay, yeah, cool. Trish and Lita are coming back. You know, the two women from your Ruthless Aggression era that, you know, defined it. Why wouldn't you save a big match like that for WrestleMania, especially when you then look at it and go, okay, well, what, are Becky and Bailey going to have another singles match? I know they haven't really had a, a, they had one straight one-on-one one on this cage match, but it's like, do they add some kind of stipulation to it? Uh, does it become, I don't know, a hell in a cell match, even though I don't think it's there at that point. Uh, I know they've talked about doing Finn Balor and Edge inside hell in a cell. Maybe they do one each night. Who knows? But I feel like that six woman tag could have been saved for Mania, especially with the idea that Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey, excuse me, and Shayna Baszler are going to be challenging EO and Dakota for the tag titles at Mania, where, as I said, Friday night watching SmackDown, it's so amazing how quickly Ronda Rousey has pretty much just been turned into like, just another woman on the roster. And she's got, you know, no real star power, I think, left. I mean, yeah, great, she's teaming with Shayna Baszler, but she's just kind of there at this point. And, I don't know, I guess a tag match between them, but whatever. I mean, obviously, I don't know. You're not going to make Ronda and Shayna the faces from what I've seen how it's playing out. I think it's Dakota. I think people will cheer Dakota and Io, so um, we'll see. But, uh, LSU you can't hear first. Do you think that six-woman tag should have been saved for Mania, or do you think there's something else they can have that they can pull out? 
Um, obviously, I think they have like more of an idea of what they want to do for Mania. Um, not to disrespect anybody in the match, but I think this is a Elimination Chamber type match. Build up to Mania. Build up to, um, I don't know, Becky versus Bailey in a 30-minute Iron Man match with damage control and and Lita and Trish Stratus um, on the outsides. Lumberjack match. You know, they could do a lot of stuff. Um, they could get even ballsier and maybe do like the first um women's i don't know um i quit match have they had a women's i quit match before i'm trying to think now i feel like they've almost crossed every bridge uh, i i, I want to say there was one between charlotte and sasha at one point but i'm not 100 percent on that okay i assume they've probably crossed almost every bridge except like the first blood match which they don't do anymore um yeah they could they could definitely stretch this out. And obviously I feel like triple H thinks that they can, because they would have saved this match for mania. If they didn't, they could have done something at chamber and hadn't brought the ladies, brought the, the, the lady uh, legends back and did built it up to WrestleMania. But the fact that they, they have this going, I mean, at this point it kind of, I kind of feel like they're going to have um, Bailey and, and Becky do some sort of, I quit match or something along those lines where you'll see them get a little hardcore and then maybe possibly give damage control a little bit of the rub where they'll have Lita and Trish uh, team up to take on um, the other two members. So I think that that could be the, the way they want to go. Who knows? Um, I think that it's been good. I mean, a slow build to Bailey. I think they are letting uh, Rhea Ripley have her moment at the top there with Bianca or Charlotte or wherever she chooses. Um, so I think that that's good on them. Let Ronda have her moment. Let Ronda really earn, not Ronda, excuse me, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Chairman. Uh, let Rhea Ripley uh, have her moment. Let her shine and let uh, Becky and Bailey do what they do best and wrestle each other somewhere in the middle of the card, which is totally fine. And what are your thoughts, Chairman? Yeah, when I saw Alita come out, I'm like, hmm, interesting. They're going to need a third person. Trish Strash was the first person to come to my mind. And it's like, this could easily be a WrestleMania match because WrestleMania, you know, that's when you bring a lot of, you know, superstars from yesterday and, you know, a lot of casuals will turn in. And of course, a lot of people remember Lita and Trish Stratus. So I felt like that probably would have been a good WrestleMania match, you know, a six, you know, women tag match, just because you really, how many more times are we going to do Becky versus Bailey? It seems like they've been, going that well a lot lately which is good because they really have never had a legit feud before but now it's like how many more stipulations and how many more interferences with the other damage control members can we get like where's the end game here especially when you don't have a title on the line so you need something big at mania i mean are you gonna get crazy and do like a tlc match or hell in the cell i mean we're kind of running out of options here so if they are doing this six woman tag at elevation chamber then they're going to have to bring out something big for Mania, and I'm curious to see how they're pulling off. Punjabi prison match. That's what's going to happen. They're going to bring that match back, and they're going to have Great Kali there to be the special guest uh, referee. That's how they're going to pull it off. Uh, either that or a kennel from hell match with two dogs on the outside that aren't even that scary. I don't know. Just throwing ideas out there. Throws if Russo, if Vince Russo is booking, something's going on a pole. That's all I know. Um, but yeah, I mean, at least the good thing is though, like at least there's going to be multiple probably women's matches this year that have meaning. I mean, we got obviously Charlotte and Rhea. We're going to have the Raw Women's Title match. We're going to have the Tag Title match. We're going to have whatever happens with Becky and Bailey be a big match. Uh, it's a good thing. I'm sure we'll have some kind of women's battle royal if they do that again this year. Uh, so there's a lot to look forward to women's-wise. And like we said last week after the Rumble show, it's, you know, um, 
it's good to have these options going forward. Uh, we haven't really talked about it. Uh, Cam, you weren't on last week. Just what are your thoughts real quick on um, Cody and Rhea winning the their respective Rumbles? Um, well, like I said, I think it's good for Rhea. Let her let her have her shine. Let her elevate herself up the card and put herself in that that uh, category with Charlotte and Becky and Bailey, where you know she can be a world champion. She can be elevated to that status, and then she can quote. I mean, at this point, she's or, almost organically become the leader of Judgment Day. Um, it's been kind of weird where you had Edge at the beginning, and then they they kicked him out way too early. It was stupid, uh, creative issues, whatever. Um, and then they kind of floundered and then they, you know, they've won some matches, but they don't really have like a true leader, so to speak. And I think Rhea kind of like, like I said, organically becoming the leader of it, I think is a great thing. If you really think about it, because Finn's great. Priest is great. Dominic's become hilariously great in a weird way. Um, so Rhea kind of being their leader is a different change of pace as far as like wrestling stables go. Cause she kind of was the, you know, to put a, to put a comp on it she was kind of like china of dx and but her becoming the leader i think is a really good thing um cody winning i mean not a surprise i mean i texted justin after that i felt like it was a good show but i felt underwhelmed i mean no don't take a take anything from it i mean i think that everything was well done the show was overall was great but i think it was a little overwhelm underwhelming i mean the logan paul ricochet spot was cool um, we've seen kind of where it looks like some of the other singles matches might fall for WrestleMania, which is good. But at the same time, I felt a little underwhelmed. Um, I mean, I, what, five months ago, I picked, I picked Gunther to win the Royal Rumble and I'm really glad he got second. I think that means obviously Triple H believes in him. <clears throat> I mean, if we do get a, a Gunther, um, Lesnar match, or at least he gets some sort of, <clears throat> excuse me, some sort of time to shine on the, on the WrestleMania card where it's not like an eight-man ladder match or anything like that, uh, where Gunther actually faces someone one-on-one -on -one for the Intercontinental title. I think that's great for his career. Um, but yeah, I felt a little underwhelmed. I, I thought it was a good show, but it was it left me wanting a little bit more, I guess. Yeah, all right. And uh, we'll get more into the actual Elimination Chamber show itself next week when we do our preview show. We'll dive really deep into the... Great Sami Zayn, Roman Reigns, Bloodline storyline that's been going on these last few weeks. Had a few more developments this week. It seems like Jay and Jimmy Uso are going to be able to get into um, into Canada despite their DUIs uh, for the show, for, uh, with what Dave Meltzer said. So we'll see what ends up happening there. Um, but we're going to get fully into that next week when we do uh, the Elimination Chamber preview show. But for now, we're going to answer some Elimination Chamber questions that we I threw together to uh, send out. For everybody uh, regarding the pay-per-view itself and the match itself. So to get things started, let's start with the worst. Let's get the worst out of the way first. The worst uh, Elimination Chamber pay-per-view of all time. Um, uh, for me, I'm going to go um, back to, I mean, there's a couple that are obvious, but I'm going to go with 2020. Um, you know, the last pay-per-view in front of a live audience. And, of course, it was Philadelphia, so uh, they're very hardcore. And it was it was just really bad. I mean, we had the women's Elimination Chamber match, main event to show, and Shayna Baszler just going through everybody in that match and just kind of killing time in between while we were waiting for, you know, her to do anything. Uh, or, you know, so they had her beat everybody, which is good, but at the same time, it wasn't like 
built up properly or done properly. And it was just so obvious that, you know, people going in outside of Asuka, nobody else really thought had a chance of winning. So that was just kind of booked poorly. Uh, you had that elimination chamber for the SmackDown tag titles and just everything on there was just, you know, weird. Um, you know, the collective, I mean, you got Braun Strowman losing to Sami Zayn, Shinsuke and Cesaro in a three on one match, the street profits against Seth Rollins and Murphy, Andrade versus uh, Humberto Carrillo, you know, Brian da Daniel Bryan versus Drew Gulak. It's a weird show that didn't have a lot of star power on it whatsoever. So I'm going to go ahead and say that it is the 2020 Elimination Chamber. That was the worst Elimination Chamber pay-per-view of all time. Uh, what are you going with, Chairman? I'm going with last year's for fear fact of location, for one. Um, number two, uh, the card itself was gross. You wasted a... Roman Reigns championship match on Trash Ash Oldberg. Um, you had a terrible stipulation with Ronnie in a tag team match with her arm tied behind her back. You wasted a Drew McIntyre match against Mad Crap Moss. Who the hell won a freaking title shot, by the way, on SmackDown to face Gunther? Like, I thought we we're done with Mad Crap Moss. Why is this guy getting pushed? Still? He's so generic and vanilla. He's garbage. Who I've, never, I've never seen. I was. I watched SmackDown this week. I was actually able to watch SmackDown. I've never seen a quieter crowd for a win than that. Yeah, and like you look at the other guys in that match, it was like terrible. And plus, he was hanging off crappy Corbin then. And then, I mean, Brock Lesnar destroys everybody in the chamber. Like, no, this 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 event was garbage. It's pure garbage. Hopefully, this year's redemption. <laughs> All right, who are you going? Which pay per view going with Cam? Um, I'm going to go with 2008. I think that the, the, the chamber match itself was probably the worst chamber match of all time. Um, you had, you know, big daddy V in there, which no disrespect, great colleague guys like this shouldn't be nowhere near a chamber match. Um, MVP. I mean, it wasn't a great match. Undertaker had to like carry the torch pretty much. Uh, Batista wins the match. Not very good. I mean, again, Great Collie had already lost his or lost the winning streak at that point, so it was all downhill from there for him. Um, just overall, just not a very good uh, uh, match at all. All right, so that brings us to the best Elimination Chamber pay-per-view of all time. Uh, I'll let you go first here, Chairman. What are you going with? We we'll go 2014, just for the fact that we had the. Shield versus Wyatt family six-man tag match that goes down as, you know, one of the best matches of either faction's history. I mean, it's still talked about to this day. And that wasn't even a quote-unquote Elimination Chamber match. Like, that was probably the best Elimination Chamber match that wasn't involved inside a chamber. But the chamber match for this the, um, was good, too. You know, Orton, you know, against Cesaro, Christian, Daniel Bryan, John Cena, and Sheamus. You know, it was a pretty strong field. You really didn't have any weak people in that chamber match, whereas like the one that Cam just talked about, just complete trash. I mean, this was a pretty good field, so I like the 2014 event best, you know, for just those two matches alone. All right, Cam, what do you think is the best paper elimination chamber pay-per-view of all time? <clears throat> um, it was kind of hard to rank which ones were like the best. Um, I'm going with the best overall show because i'm going to also pick it as my favorite actual chamber match of all time i'm gonna go 2019 um this is kind of at the time where vince was they had vince high enough on like percocets or something to where they where they could still book finn balor and guys like these really strong you know this is when all the nxt guys were coming in and kind of dominating the wwe um 
you had Buddy Murphy and Akira Tozawa actually have like a really good uh, match for the cruiserweight or yeah the cruiserweight title when that was still a thing and Akira Tozawa wasn't like afraid of ghosts or whatever the, whenever he showed <laughs> raw whatever the hell he's afraid of um, so that was a really good match um, you obviously had the elimination chamber match Daniel Bryan was at the the cusp of everything he was doing um, it was a really good show I mean you had Finn Balor retain the Intercontinental title. Uh, that's when Shane was around and was still sort of, kind of, a little bit uh, tolerable, and he was involved in the tag team with, with The Miz, so I think it was a really good show. It was also the first uh, women's uh, elimination chamber. Alright, so um, for my pick, I had 2019 on there, too, as a possibility, but I think overall I'm going to go with the... Um, I'm going to go with the 2011 one. Uh, you had a really good opener with uh, the, the Chamber, and you had Edge and Rey Mysterio have a f- fantastic finish to their match. Uh, yeah, you saw John Cena win the Elimination Chamber, which we kind of all expected to happen. Um, you also had a really... I remember watching this, the Miz-Jerry Lawler match for the w, for the World Heavy... or for the WWE title, and, like, it was fine. I mean, the few they ended up building there was actually really good, and it's kind of, you know, sad, you know, thinking about Jerry Lawler just having his stroke, but, like, he was out there wrestling. I mean, he was still wrestling a little bit to this day, but I remember that feud being not that bad. Uh, so that match, too, was, was bad. So I'm going to go ahead and pick um, 2011 as my favorite Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. Um, so for the next question, Kim, you just brought this up, our personal favorite Elimination Chamber matches. Uh, so you said you're going with the men's from 2019? Yeah, what I was trying to do was not obviously pick the first one. Uh, you know, the first one's an easy to go to. I think it was, you know, obviously the first Elimination Chamber. It had a star-studded lineup. So um, for the all these questions, I tried to avoid the first one simply because it was almost too easy. Um, 19 was fantastic. I mean, you had Daniel Bryan doing his thing. Um Jeff Hardy was relevant. Again, he was back. He was wearing the face paint. They were trying to see if he was going to do the Willow um, and the Matt Hardy um, delete gimmick. That whole thing was going on. Uh, So Jeff was on top of his game. I mean, there was a really good spot where Jeff Hardy actually um, watched this one earlier. Jeff Hardy does a swanton bomb, gets up, takes the running knee from Brian. That's how he's eliminated. It's a really good, really good finish. I mean, you had Samoa Joe in the match, AJ Styles. So I think, again, this is a, that, that two three year period where NXT was super hot and Vince was trusting Triple H and um, Gabe Sapolsky and he was trusting their instincts and letting these guys you know do their thing and not just forcing fucking Randy Orton and Batista down our throat for all these years. So it was that brief mer- period of time where uh, Randy Orton was the was the legend, quote to speak. This is the I believe the beginning of Kofi Mania, which went into next year or yeah the following year if I remember correctly. I can't remember the next. No, uh, it was that year. It was that same bond, same year. So- Okay, yeah, so there you go. Yeah. That was the Kofi Mania run. Uh, again, I still think he took away Mustafa Ali's push, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, so, yeah, I think it was just a fantastic. It was what a chamber match should be. It, it doesn't need to be – some of these matches, you know, or you know, hell in the cells and cage matches. You know, I get the old school mentality of, like, slow, methodical, like using the cage as, like, as a weapon. But um, I really believe that the chamber match should be high-paced, you know, high spots, things like that. You know, you want those kind of guys in there that can do that stuff. You don't want fucking 80-year-old Kane and 80-year-old Big Show walking around the cage already hurt. Uh, yeah, I know you said to avoid the easy ones, but I'm still picking the first one from 2002. Not necessarily because of the chamber factor, but because, you know, you got Shawn Michaels back in his second match, winning the world title, Madison Square Garden, uh, you know, great reaction from the crowd. 
underdog story, even though he's got that. We just watched that for the Watching Wrestling podcast that Heather and I do. Even though he's got the ugly haircut and the poop round tights, uh, still everything about that story uh, is really good for me. I'm waiting for them to come out with an action figure with the hair like that and the tights. I think it'll be a good collector's item. Um, who are you going with, or what are you going with, uh, Chairman, for your personal favorite Elimination Chamber match? Uh, there's a lot of good ones, but uh, I'm going to go with the 2017 one because this was right after, maybe a few months after the brand split kind of happened again. And SmackDown was really strong at this time. You know, this is when you had like Dean Ambrose, AJ Styles, you know, Miz was freaking banging it out with Dolph Ziggler. I mean, Ziggler wasn't in the match, of course, the chamber match, but, you know, you know, Cena, Bray Wyatt. I mean, it was, it was a strong, strong, um, you know, SmackDown. I mean, that's probably one of their peak times. And this chamber match, you know, you had Styles, Corbin, Bray Wyatt, Dean Ambrose, Miz, and John Cena walked in as a champion. So it's like, okay, well, Cena wins, you know, retains. He's going to Mania with the belt. But then, like, Bray Wyatt takes out Cena, leaving it either him or AJ Styles. So it's like, oh, wow, this is big, you know? And Bray Wyatt actually wins the match, which, unfortunately, the title run didn't amount to jack shit. But it was cool to see that Bray Wyatt was chosen to become the champion at the time in this very strong field of workers outside of Corbin, who's complete garbage. But yeah, SmackDown back in this era was hot. I loved it. This match was great. All right, that moves us on to two more questions left. The strongest chamber match lineup. So basically looking at all six guys in the match, which uh, which chamber do you think had the strongest field? Uh, I'm going to go first on this one. I'm going to go with the one from 2005 at New Year's Revolution. You've got uh, Triple H, obviously, as your champion. You've got Randy Orton just off his kind of crappy face run, but, you know, he was already ele- he's been elevated to the main event uh, spot. You've got Batista, who's on his way up to the main event spot, who the crowd is getting behind. You've got Chris Benoit, who is your former world champion, just won the title at WrestleMania 20 uh, the year before. And then you've got Chris Jericho, established main eventer. And you've got Edge, who at this point is also on his way up, rising to the top to be a future world champion. So, I mean, hell, you can even say Shawn Michaels is a special guest referee. But, I mean, that six right there, I think, I'm just looking back at all these. There's a few strong ones out there that are contenders for this. But for me, uh, that one is the strongest elimination chamber field that I could look at. Um, so I'm gonna. that's going to be my pick from 2005, New Year's Revolution. Uh, which one are you going with, Chairman? Oh, I had the same one. I mean, hands down for me, I looked at this. You know, you had five, you know, lock Hall of Famers with one asterisk. But, I mean, this was kind of towards the ends of the Triple H, Reign of Terror era. And, you know, Edge's rise here was fantastic. I mean, he had to wait another whole year, New Year's Revolution, before he finally got the title. But, you know, that whole year of him chasing to get there was some great stuff. You know, the Batista rise was going on here as well, like you pointed out. I mean, this is just a lot of good stuff here. You know, looking back, you know, these are six of the best wrestlers ever. So, to me, this is great. There's no big daddy Vs or big slows or canes, you know, lumping around in the ring. You know, he had six prime athletes going at it for the biggest prize in the game. All right, you going to make it a clean sweep cam or do you got another one in mind? No, that was that was the that was the one I had to. Again, I was trying to avoid the first one. Um, yeah, everything you guys said. When you look at WWE history or whatever, the last thirty years, Triple H, Randy Orton, Batista, Edge, Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit. It's hard to find a better six. 
Um, you add in Shawn Michaels as the special guest referee. You add in everything. I mean, I was a huge Evolution fan. I fucking still have my shirt from when I was, I believe, 16. Um, huge Evolution fan. I just, and you know, I was never a big Triple H guy, and just a huge fan of that entire stable. Um, Randy Orton getting kicked out, them teasing Batista. This is at the time still where like dirt cheats were a thing, but I still like didn't know anything about it. So like the tease of Batista going after Triple H and everything, it was yeah. I mean, you can't really outside of the first one and maybe I don't know. I had a few written down outside of the first one you had Kane in it, but Kane was still relatively young at the time. Um, this it's harder to find a better group of six guys, especially when it talks about just overall wrestling, you can make an argument for 2017. If you re- replaced Baron Corbin with literally fucking a trash can. And that's a good lineup too. Oh man. Hopefully Ryback doesn't hear, hear our podcast. Cause he'll be mad that his, his uh, chamber match wasn't picked for the strongest lineup, but that, or, or our next question too, cause I'm guessing none of us would have changed Ryback to winning any of these chamber matches. But if you could go back and change the outcome of one elimination chamber match, which one would it be? Uh, chairman, you're up first here. We're going to go with 2013 and Jake Hager, back then Jack Swagger, before he found his stupid purple bucket hat, because who who thought him and Alberto Del Rio would have been a good WrestleMania match? Like, that's what's funny to me. And regardless of who you want to believe or not, like, Swagger was actually primed to win the title here, but then he got into some, some legal trouble right between the Chamber Mania, so they're like, well, we're not pushing that guy ever again. We the people. Yeah, whatever, dude. But, like, you look at the rest of the field in this match, like, Kane and Daniel Bryan were in there, but at WrestleMania, you know, they were still doing the Team Hell No thing, so they probably wouldn't have been a pick to win. And Mark Henry, he beat Ryback, at least, at Mania, but I don't think I would put him into Rio. And then you have either Chris Jericho or Randy Orton. I'd be fine with either one of those two winning to face Del Rio because Jericho got jobbed out to Dirty Dango and Orton was in that weird tag team of Sheamus and Big Show and got beat by the Shield. So, like, I don't know. I'll just say Randy Orton just for anyone but Swagger, basically. But I'd pick Orton. You know, he can go to Mania, beat Del Rio, and then he could be the victim of the Dolph Ziggler cash-in the night after, and people would be all crazy for that still anyway, regardless of who the champion was, because everybody was hot for Ziggler's cash-in at the time, and everybody hates Del Rio. So, yeah, Jack Swagger, you suck, bud. I remember watching that show when it happened because I was go I went to that WrestleMania so I was like, oh hey, who's gonna be? And then we all just sat there like oh, no, it's not like my friend's like, it can't be Jack. No, no. And then yeah, it was Jack Swagger. We were like, what the fuck? Where the hell did this come from? It was just so insane that it happened like that. And we were like, what the hell? Where like like you went from like he was just yeah, he had the swag again had that push, but I didn't think he would ever get another push like that. And then sure enough, yeah, there he is. Um what about you, Cam? Which chamber match finish are you changing? Well, first of all, I only recognize the We the People Jack Swagger. That's the only one I recognize. Um, <laughs> for, for me, well, real quick before I pick the the, the match winners, um, did you guys know that in 2012, Santino Morella finished second in the Royal Rumble and second in the Elimination Chamber match? I knew the Rumble one because I remember that being ingrained in my head because that was the Del Rio one, and I remember him coming back. I completely forgot about the Chamber. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, he he defeated Cody Rhodes and Wade Barrett, eliminated them both before being pinned, and that was the only time anyone's ever kicked out of a, a Cobra Clutch as well. I believe that was the name of his finisher, if I remember correctly. Or oh started. yeah, whatever. Yeah, with the sock thing. Yeah. <laughs> so just just a little bit of hilarious <laughs> information on WWE history. That's when Vince was definitely on the sauce. 
Um, okay, this one for me is tough. Um, I want to say 2016 Punk because it was the worst fucking pay-per-view in WWE history, the ECW um, um, Dece- December to Dismember, uh, to remember whatever the fuck it was called. Um, it was a slap in the face to Paul Heyman. It was terribly booked. Punk went out first. They had Bobby Lashley be the e- first ECW champion. Um, it was terrible god awful uh that was when punk should have been elevated then they didn't and it took fucking six years um but i'm going to go with 2018 now remember 2018 um braun was fucking over and when i mean over he was over the banjo playing stand-up bass everyone loved braun Strowman. he was over on this podcast we loved it we we're like okay vince is gonna do the right thing and put the title on this guy Nah, he didn't. He had him eliminate literally every person in the match and then ate it to Roman Reigns for Roman Reigns to wrestle Brock Lesnar for like the 17th of 35 times that would happen. Um, This is when we hated Roman. This is when Roman was trying to find his, quote, groove, I guess. Um, It was the worst decision. I mean, we didn't need another Brock-Roman match. Still to this day, we don't need one ever again. Um, And yeah, Braun Strowman was hot. They missed their opportunity. Um as you know AEW did I'm taking a shot at AEW is that they didn't do the same thing you know over there um it is what it is but yeah Braun Strowman was super over he wouldn't have had to leave he probably wouldn't have made stupid comments about independent wrestling even though he was wrestling independent wrestling shows um and maybe they'd have another star instead of a guy that's hanging out with Ricochet which I think is actually kind of a cool tag team oh the the reminiscence of the Braun Strowman days where everybody was waiting and waiting and waiting and they never cashed it in good old Vince um, I'm going to go for one that Chairman's going to hate, and it's kind of an obvious one, but it's 2003 when Goldberg was in the chamber match at SummerSlam, and he was hot. The crowd was hot for him. Everybody, He plowed through everybody, except, of course, Kevin Nash conveniently not being eliminated by Goldberg when everybody else was. And Triple H, despite having, what was it, a torn groin, hits him with a sledgehammer and pins him, and then him and Evolution beat him up afterward. And it's just like... Like Triple H has had got to get that win, and the singles match the next night or the next pay per view, whatever it was, I think it was Unforgiven, is just not anywhere up to par because the crowd was rabbit hot for him in that chamber. And if there was ever a time to call an audible and have you know Goldberg win a match and like or have somebody else win that wasn't booked to win, I would have done it right there with uh, him. It was, you know, you know, they obviously Goldberg's WWE run, his first one, not the ones he's had coming back. There were, you know, hiccups in it. There were problems. He never really fit into the WWE mold. But that right there, I think, kind of killed everything. And then he, like I said, he wins it at Unforgiven. And I think he loses it in December, even Survivor Series, the next uh, same year. It was just total flat title reign. And like I said, the crowd, I've never, like, that was probably their peak interest in Goldberg, and they just killed it because Triple H and his fucking biker shorts had to get a win over him. So that is my pick to get one that I would have changed. And like I said, it wouldn't have affected anything the next month outside of Triple H losing another match. But like we said, like uh, Chairman mentioned earlier, this is kind of in the middle of the Triple H reign of terror, which was an awful, awful thing. So... That is our show this week, but real quick before we sign off, when you hear this, it'll probably be like right when it's starting or after the Super Bowl is already completed. But guys, uh, Super Bowl picks. I'll start. I'll go. I'm going Eagles. I'm going to say Eagles 34-30. Uh, I'm going to say uh, give me A.J. Brown for the Super Bowl MVP. I think he has a big game against a weak uh, Chiefs secondary, so that's not who I'm going with. Uh, who are you going with, Cam? I hate you, Justin, and I hate the Eagles, and I hate Nick Sirianni. Uh, 34-31, Chiefs. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I'm a Bills fan. I just can't find myself to root for Patrick Mahomes. And I do hate Eagles fans because they're one of the only two groups of fans I've ever had a problem with at Bills games. But I just can't find myself to root for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs with the Bills still not have won in a Super Bowl. Maybe it'd be different if they had won one at this point. Um, who are you going with, Chairman? Well, they both lose. I hate both teams. I think they're both trash. But if I'm going to pick the lesser of two Eagles, I'll root for the Eagles because I absolutely cannot stand stupid Pat Mahomes, stupid trash Kelsey, stupid Wallers, Andy Reid. I hope the whole entire franchise engulfs in flames. <laughs> All right. So there are very strong, very opinionated picks for the Super Bowl. Uh, do not use them legally for any gambling because, as Cam and I can attest to each other, our gambling advice is awful. So don't listen to us. So it'll probably be a low-scoring affair, like 17-14 or something like that. Who knows? Um, but that is our show for this week. Uh, we'll be back later on in this week to preview Elimination Chamber, which takes place on next Saturday. So for my co-host Cam and the chairman, Stephen Vincent, I am Justin C. signing off, and we will talk to you then.